welcome back everyone to Sex and Couples Therapy with the Happy Ending Therapist. I'm your sex positive sex therapist, Donna Harris Richards, here in the charming seaport city of New Bedford, coming to you live. And I am an LICSW and an ASECT certified sex therapist. Actually, I'm not coming to you live. I'm recording. I'm live right now in the moment with me, <laughs> with me and Vicki mm-hmm. and Dr. V show. <laughs> Hello. Who do I think I am? <laughs> Live from New York. It's Thursday morning. <laughs> it's Thursday morning. Wow, what do you know? Oh boy. So we're gonna we're actually this is part three. We had so much to talk about myself and Dr. Michaud that we're into part three with our first guest. He is our first guest. We're so excited. Dr. Jeffrey Michaud, MD, obstetrics and gynecology. He's a specialist at Hawthorne Medical Associates in Dartmouth and uh, also affiliated with St. Luke's Hospital of New Bedford. And um, we're here to just continue and carry on the conversation about sexual health, physical Mm -hmm. sexual health, emotional health, spiritual sexual health, and all that good stuff. And before we get started, I just want to make sure that everyone knows the mission of sex and couples therapy is to help individuals, couples, and families embrace and integrate sex-positive thinking into daily life for optimal health, including sexual health and wellness. And of course, you know, to be human is to be sexual, right? So this all makes sense that we go for annual mammograms, gynecological exams, and prostate exams for the physical parts of sexual health. We owe ourselves checkups on the emotional and mental and spiritual aspects of sexual health for optimal health and wellness. There, I've said it. That's a mouthful. Hi, Vicki, how are Mm. you? Doing great. <laughs> Good. And and Dr. Michaud, how are you on this sunny day? Oh, I'm doing great because it's a sunny day and I'm with you two ladies. I'm having a great time. Oh, how nice. How nice. Well, we're so happy that you could be here and you have now gifted us your time to do podcast number three, <laughs> part three of this little series on the interplay between sort of the medical sexual health aspects and and what I do which is sort of the you know mental health aspects of sexuality and relationships so mm-hmm. I think it's hopefully interesting for mm-hmm. folks to hear about and well, it's interesting for me <laughs> yeah good good yeah we, we, and we were talking about um, just kind of how we can work alongside each other meaning you know when might I refer to you or when might you refer to me when we're seeing you know women mm-hmm. in our practice um, and, and it's really interesting stuff, right? It, a lot of it is normalizing, mm-hmm. once again, because people don't know. We don't know what's normal. You know, where do people get information from? You know, their friends, right? Or Dr. Ruth on the radio or whatever. Uh, <laughs> nowadays, it's on the Internet, the interweb. Um, and there's a lot of, you know, lack of knowledge, uh, misinformation, disinformation. There's all these ideas out there unmet expectations this is why i'm so busy because nobody hands you the handbook when you're 12 about sex right i mean there is one there's our bodies ourselves i got that when i was like 11 i don't know if you ever got that but that's a good one i had the american more of a hands-on person the american girl doll book about bodies (laughs) american girl doll book and he was more of a oh my god dr michaud was more of a hands-on learner he said did you catch that folks (laughs) 
love it. So. Oh, you did catch that. Oh yeah, of course. Just like just like the the licket in the last one. That was good. We caught that too. She caught. Oh, Vicky geez. caught that. <laughs> we're talking about COVID and touching packages, and you know, he just uh, told us not to. Yes, we're talking about packages. Not to. Yeah. Oh God, here we go. <laughs> I love it. But there's so many jokes in sex therapy. Oh, I love. I just love it. Mm. Um, but yeah so our, there's our bodies ourselves and guess what now there's trans bodies trans selves can you mm. isn't that great I love that wow. I have that big book in my yeah. office here so um, yeah and I'm working mm. also with folks who are you know not only heterosexual couples and uh, you know couples who are uh, same sex couples but also working with folks who are um, you know wanting to talk about uh sexual orientation and gender identity those folks will come for individual mm-hmm. sex therapy um and i actually i want to say something because it remind I, i'm reminded in our last podcast that you said something dr michaud about you know what what do you do when somebody's partner doesn't want to come in for sex therapy right right yeah that's uh that can definitely hold people back i i I may recognize a real need to like, listen, this is not, you know, pathological in the physical sense. It's more in the relational sense. You know, there's some discord here or, you know, arousal disorder, which doesn't really, medicine doesn't really lend itself well as a, as a, a really effective treatment for that. Mm-hmm. That's where the psychosocial approach really comes in. That's right. That's my job. And then, you know, it's so disheartening for me as a, as a practitioner when my patients look at me, it's like, oh, never going to go couldn't go you know i can never get my partner to do that and Mm. it's too bad because they're you know they're both missing out Mm. and it could be a really excellent opportunity to to grow and to learn about themselves and about each other um you know Mm. they could really have a really um transforming experience by doing that but you know everyone in their own time i guess and look in part this is this is part of why the podcast is so good um, so thanks to the yeah. marketing team for their idea about it, including you, Vicky, because what I can say when people call up and they say, look, I would like to come in for sex therapy. My first question is, are you in a relationship? If they say yes, I say, I will see you with your partner. And if they say, I don't think mm-hmm. my partner is ready, I say, well, have your partner call me if they have questions. There are podcasts on the website you can hear. Uh, there's one, in fact, called Introduction and What to Expect. Uh, there's one about anxiety, um, which kind of gets right to the heart of maybe why people don't want to come in. It's anxiety-provoking, understandably. So lots mm-hmm. of podcasts to normalize a lot and to help people, you know, maybe hear what I have to say, what you have to say, what we have to say, so that it can make it a little less daunting, a little less scary. Right. Yeah. I can imagine it could be really intimidating, right? And a lot of, um, a lot of judgments about it, you know, mm-hmm. uh, fears, which... They may, you know, unconsciously be bringing that with them to the bedroom, you know. Oh, yes. And that might be part of the problem right there. That's right. It's keeping them from even going to seek help. Yes. And, and, you know, one of the reasons that I stand pretty firm in my philosophy about having both people come in if they're in a relationship. Now, if they're not, then, you know, they see me alone. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's that can be very brief. And sex therapy actually can be very brief. It's only uh, maybe anywhere from five to 12 visits. Very short term. Mm, um, that's great. Now, yeah. if it's if there's complexity around you know trauma and people are having a really hard time sort of saying things and opening up, then it can take longer, of course. 
Um, or if there's um, chronic um, adjustments going on, you know, losing mm-hmm. a job or, you know, loss of a child or, you know, things like that, that it could take longer in that case as well. Mm-hmm. I do have a question about that, Donna. What if somebody comes to you, like a couple, and one of the partners does have trauma, PTSD, you know, some sort of or uh, horrible experience in the past, and you identify that mm-hmm. in the course of your uh, therapy, do you carve out time to address that specifically, or do you refer on to another provider to kind of go take a deeper dive? Uh, no. So we take some no. time to talk about that, and my stance about it, uh, and what I know to be true, is that trauma affects people, but, but a person is not their trauma they are much more than their trauma. And if they can sort of uh, open up and share with their partner, I mean, this is the therapy part, having people talk to each other. There's a lot of, you know, exposure therapy is really what this is that I do. Having people sort of exposing their emotional uh, fears and and their internal life and and just sort of being open with their partners, being authentic. The partner has to create a safe enough space for them to do that. Um, you know, do people fail at that? Sure. But then they can just say, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, let me now listen again here and, uh, Mm -hmm. again, create enough safety, but also develop the ability to manage the conflict that comes up around it. So let's say Mm -hmm. someone's talking about their trauma. Hopefully their partners are understanding. Um, if they have a certain opinion about it or they say something that doesn't feel good, I'll say to the person with the trauma, you know, what do you need your partner to do now? Or how, what do you need them to say? Or how can you speak to what you're needing right now with your partner in talking mm-hmm. about this? Right. You know, I just mm-hmm. had a couple last night. Uh, she's about to lose her job. Uh, this is very taxing for her. She loves her job. And um, <laughs> he's trying to make light of it by, you know, saying, you know, well, when you're jobless, then blah, 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 blah. He's thinking about it as a nice thing. She's free. She's jobless. Because he thinks the job ties mm. her down. And she said, but that just makes me feel bad. So I said to her, what, how, what would you like him to say instead, referring to this time when you will not be tied down anymore to this job that you, you love but is difficult? She said, well, free would be nice if he could say, well, when you're free, honey. So just by changing that word from jobless to free, oh, down went mm. her anxiety. They started laughing more. And you could see the lightness. Now, that's not necessarily trauma in the sense of maybe sexual trauma or difficulties. I mean, I have another couple I'm working with now where, where there was real trauma for her. And uh, the partner is being you know, incredibly wonderful and understanding. They are focusing a little bit too much on the past trauma. So I recommended that um, she can share with him. If she wants to share whatever she's talking about in individual therapy, that's fine. But don't focus too much on the trauma, because back to Mona Fishbane, we're, we're really putting a lot of mm. negative neurons in our neural pathways and carving those, <laughs> those pathways in a mm. way that isn't good, good for your spirit and lightness of being. It's okay to talk about it and say how it's making you feel, but, but I wouldn't, you know, I, like I said to the couple, I said, you know, I went through 9-11. I said, you know, I, to get better, I'm not sitting around watching videos of 9-11 every day. That wouldn't be helpful to me. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a similar idea in that if you're sitting in the trauma and focusing on it a lot, you know, that's probably not going to make you feel better. So it's a part of you, and now let's move forward and figure out what you need to feel better. 
you know, the feelings that you have regarding Understood. the trauma tells you you never want to go through that again. You want to feel safe, yeah. you you know, and you are safe right now. Hopefully, if you if that's the case and this trauma is in the past, you are safe. That's a way that a partner can help, right? Your partner can remind you you're mm -hmm. safe now. You know, this mm -hmm. isn't happening. Um, it's understandable that your mm -hmm. hippocampus and amygdala are sort of reliving that because of a trigger. But let's turn and kind of look at what, what would help. How, how could you feel better? Go for a walk, right? Mm -hmm. uh, go, go get some yeah. circuit training. Uh, you know, whatever, whatever it is that you're needing <laughs> right. and wanting yeah. for pleasure is good. I, so I see what you do is you basically, you know, shed a light on aspects of the relationship or the people that they can't see themselves for whatever reason. And then it gives them an opportunity to then to then work on it. Mm. Yeah. And look, I'm, I, I don't want people to think I'm minimizing the trauma. I'm not. But I think what no. happens is people come in with this idea that they're broken somehow or now they're just incredibly right. flawed or or the porcelain cup has been shattered and how do we how do we put that back together without being handicapped mm -hmm. somehow but that's i don't yeah. see it that way i don't see that they're handicapped i see that this happened and mm. you know look you're still here you're still standing and you're here and we're talking mm -hmm. about it this is a good thing yeah that's right you know i i know it's probably something well i don't do and maybe you don't do either like have you ever heard of emdr oh, yes. for trauma oh yes a PTSD, yes. because if I understand, I, I understand some of this trauma is like so ingrained in us that we, you know, relive it. Don't just talk about it; we relive it. Yeah. I'm just wondering if it ever you ever get patients so bad that you need to refer on to EMDR, which is mm -hmm. I understand it a way to activate both sides of the brain to process yes. past trauma, past memories, so they can be filed away and just remembered and not relived. Yeah, that you can think about. That's you can. That's right, and you think about them differently. Um, you begin to mm. shift your thoughts about the trauma. Um, and it is very mm. useful. It's true. It's eye movement desensitization and reprocessing um, invented by Francine Shapiro out in San Francisco. And uh, mm. she was, it's an interesting story. She was out on a bridge one day and she was watching the birds, the seagulls, I guess, out there going back and forth. And she mm -hmm. started to feel better. And she thought, I need to figure this out. I want to study what's going on. Why do I feel better? And to your point, Dr. Michaud, yeah, getting your your uh, hippocampus and amygdala to kind of connect with, we think the, the prefrontal lobe, right, the judgment center, um, so that mm -hmm. you can begin to reframe how you're thinking about the, the past experiences that were so difficult, you know, mm -hmm. that they can't get you now, that you are safe, that, you know, and it's what's wonderful is if someone is sitting with their partner in addition, um, or yeah. as a way of, of dealing with this, again, not to be each other's therapist, but you can be each other's healers. Yeah, support and healers. I like that. Yeah. Thanks, Donna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But EMDR can be, yes, very, very useful. Um, and uh, let's see. What else? Oh, you were going to, I know, you were going to talk a little bit about maybe some of the physiological stuff. Um, you had mentioned, yeah. you know, some of the issues that, that you see. Um, I don't know. What, what do you want to talk about? Maybe not that. Maybe other yeah. things. Well, you know, I mean, you know, like sometimes people, could, well, First of all, when it comes to, I mean, I think of like the uh, sexual response cycle, right? You got the mm. desire, which unfortunately I can't really help too much with that. <laughs> and we've done some research looking at, uh, at testosterone. You know, every every man has, of course, a, a lot of testosterone, a little bit of estrogen. Every woman has a lot of estrogen, a little bit of testosterone, you right. know, uh, for the most part. Mm -hmm. And testosterone apparently doesn't seem to help too much with desire. Um mm -hmm. 
unless it's given in like really high doses, like super physiologic levels. But you know, with testosterone comes other risks. It sure. is a controlled substance. What what risks come with that? But, Just one or two. No, heart disease, yeah. cholesterol. Right. Not to mention, you know, unwanted hair growth and you know. Yes, it's it's not. It's certainly not the cure for um a, yeah. for arousal disorder. Uh, for des- I should say for desire disorder. It really is more mm-hmm. of a psychosocial uh, approach, uh, which you know, if I've identified that, you know, it's it's you, you'd be recommended as as their next course of, of, of therapy, uh, and it comes to like um, arousal. Um, that's a different story. Yeah. Arousal in women, it's they're dealing with the erectile tissue, just like in men, you know, with erectile dysfunction, right. and so there's certain disease processes that can interfere with that. You mentioned diabetes high blood pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, there's, uh, you know, anything that can affect our blood vessels can affect flow to this area. Past obstetrical trauma from uh, past deliveries, you know, um, there may be severe sure. lacerations that affect the nerve function down there. Um, and sensation, uh, this can mm-hmm. also play a role. Um, and uh, medicine, I mean, there's, there's not a lot of medicine for that as well, unfortunately, for women. It's not like the Viagra, Cialis for men. Uh, women don't get a pill like that. Um, mm-hmm. Have I used it for women? Yeah, I've tried. <laughs> yeah. With, with yeah. Uh, varied success, I have. You know, yeah. Wasn't there people. something that, that I don't recommend, but phlebanserin? Wasn't there a... Phlebanserin. Medication um, for women like that, I think. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, so you have tried that, but but not. It's not something. Well, you know, with lackluster results, you know, because usually what yeah, happens, yeah, what, you know, because frequently, you know, people get their desire and their arousal kind of mixed up a little bit, you know, because they go together yeah. so well, uh, so so tightly, sure. tightly wound. Um, yeah, it's yeah. a matter of like uh, flushing that out to find out what what is the what is the true uh, cause here. You know, if, if I go deeper, you know, and go into relational issues, oftentimes it's that, you know, you know, they, uh, you know, have, mar- have discord in their relationship or they're stressed mm-hmm. to the max. You know, they they can't yes. carve out a time to be uh, the sexy goddess if they're, you know, making food and coming back late from work and getting kids off to school yes. or or dealing with some yes. other issues um, or taking mm-hmm. care of elderly parents. You know, right. We got that going on. Yeah. Too. So the sexual, uh, the sexual response cycle. Yep. So desire, yeah. arousal. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, there's then there's of course there's orgasm, right? Anorgasmia. Yeah. The difficulty to, to complete, and um, sometimes that's a function of, well, there's primary and secondary. Primary is that you know there are some women out there who have never experienced that before, either with mm-hmm. themselves or with a partner, and then there's. The secondary, which is, uh, and that usually that would be a more of a again a psychosocial approach, the sensate focus, getting them in touch with their bodies. Yeah. I like yeah. to call it pre-orgasmia, not. Oh, orgasmia. there you go. They I just love they that. just haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> they will. Okay. You gotta get gotta get the word out, Donna. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And the uh, secondary is somebody who's lost it, who you had it before and it was functioning just fine, and now they not experience it. Sometimes. Um, SSRIs can do that, um, a certain type of uh, antidepressants. That can be an unfortunate side effect. Um, yes. Sometimes we have to yes. maybe consider switching to another anti- antidepressant, such as Welbutrin or Bupropion is the other name for it, uh, that is mm-hmm. less likely to cause a side effect such as that. Um, mm-hmm. That can be very distressing, uh, particularly if all else is going well. Um, 
And then, uh, and then there's a whole other area of like pelvic pain. Dyspareunia is a, is a medical term for it. And there's, mm-hmm. there's, you know, that's a multifactorial. Do you want me to touch on some of those things? Or? Yeah, sure. Okay. Well, Do we have time, Vicki? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Sure. Well, one of the common ones that people come to with me with, and it usually starts in, I'd say in the 30s, maybe the 40s, is pain with deep penetration. You know, it's just not sure. feeling good. Um, and uh, not like it did before. Well, you know, gravity wins. Okay, and gravity <laughs> right. wins right. and pulls things down, and and Darn the, that yes, and the uterus yeah. is one of those things that is uh, subject to the laws of gravity. And so what happens is, instead of being pulled up higher in the body, the cervix and the uterus start to kind of make a little downward pull, and um, and or find themselves at the very end of the vagina instead of being pulled up and out of the way. So yeah. what happens is, you know. Um, with deep penetration, the cervix is getting hit again and again and again. And uh, let's let's be clear, that is not the G spot, right? That that will cause okay. that deep cramping yep. after intercourse. It may be okay during, but afterwards, you know, people are doubled over. It doesn't feel right. So, a matter of like a let's doing a little coital adjustment, uh, we call it adjust the thrust. You know, basically, the male partner would just ride a little bit higher. And angling a little bit lower can serve to, you know, put the penis under the cervix instead of hitting it. And in that way, also, women would typically, the female partner would typically appreciate that more, too, because it's usually more clitoral involvement as well. So sometimes right. just a That's simple right. little adjustment can make a big yes. difference. Yeah, I talk about positioning with folks as well. You do? Sure. Good. That's great. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. I'm sure, I'm sure you have lots of in your in your tool, tool bag. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, yeah. And with pregnancy, that oh, comes to yeah. mind. You know, the butterfly position comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, different positions, pregnancy, um, kind of, you know, the doggy can help. But but with pregnancy, um, you know, they have to be people have to be careful and kind of. I'll send diagrams sometimes okay. uh, for p- positions that will feel better and be more comfortable. Because again, pleasure is the goal, right? right. Not not orgasm or penetration, right. especially if it's going to be painful. Yeah. Sure. Yes, and any good OBGYN will let you know whether or not it's safe to have sex during uh, a pregnancy. Uh, if there are some conditions where it's off limits, that's rare. Most of the time, a woman can still have a very productive and enjoyable uh, sexual experience during their pregnancy, uh, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I like to encourage yeah. that sort and of no, behavior. And no, no blowing into, no blowing into the vagina. No, no blowing, sending air emboli into, and then you, I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, air can go into the vagina, it can work itself into the bloodstream. Don't want to do that. Uh, any pregnant woman will tell you things are different down there when you're pregnant. Everything's swollen, oh, yeah. more um, moist, a lot of lubrication. There's a lot of blood flow there. Um, Sure. And uh, usually it works well for a person, but it can be annoying and it can cause some of those problems that you talked about with the air blowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 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 So, like when the FedEx guy drops off the package, you know, you, you know, you're licking, <laughs> licking, what? licking his cat. What? <laughs> licking, licking, but no blowing. <laughs> licking, no That's blowing. right. Yeah. No leaking, no blowing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. No, oh, wait, you said don't lick the package. Oh, I don't lick the package. 
Oh, but wait. Oh, so confused. I need my other cup of coffee. So confused. Here we go. Oh, boy. What are you going to do? But no, that's a really good uh, primer on how the body works in terms of desire and arousal and orgasm. That sexual Mm -hmm. cycle response is is important stuff. And, you know, it's interesting. I'm curious to know, when do you start to see this kind of thing where there's more pain? Is it when women reach what they're later 30s, 40s, mm-hmm. 50s, where the, you get the, the pelvic floor mm-hmm. issues? Yeah, uh, typically the 40s and the 50s is when it starts. 40s and the 50s. We're talking about the perimenopause, because at that point in time, yep. you know, we start to have decline in estrogen, and, uh, and that will uh, manifest itself in thinning of the vaginal tissue. So yep. the vagina is a little bit more prone to getting irritated, maybe a little tiny cuts after intercourse, uh, vaginal dryness, mm-hmm. less stretching, less sexual mm-hmm. response with lubrication, which sometimes, you know, in, in its early stages can be, you know, rectified with a little bit of lubricant, you know, um, judicious yep. use of lubricant. Oh, and no jellies, just stick to like, uh, you know, mm. water-based like liquids. Um, I, I, w- I wouldn't recommend anything thick and goopy. It's supposed to be fun. Well, there's, there's a silicone-based lubricant yeah. called Uber Lube. Oh, I heard about that. I think is is great. So. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you like the silicone. I don't know. It's in my drawer upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We'll check it out. My wife heard a podcast and said we need that. Oh, great. Oh, yeah. It's wonderful. Oh, yeah. It looks just like a little perfume bottle. It's so mm-hmm. discreet. Yeah, very discreet. You can pack it. Here. But, you know, it's interesting what you're talking about because as you're talking about it, I'm, I'm, you know, putting myself in the position of, of the people that come to us. And speaking of positions, putting mm. myself in those positions, thinking, yeah. you know, it's so important to hear how we change, our bodies change, our emotional experience change, life changes, you know, the stress gets layered on. Mm-hmm. And if we don't know about these changes or expect them or have knowledge about them, then it's kind of like, what the heck is going on? Mm-hmm. I want what we had in the beginning when we were right. 20 and now we're 45. Right. Well, you know, some of these things can be rectified. They can be can be can be fixed. Like we have, we have medication that can be used to um, per- return back the vaginal elasticity, uh, comfort during intercourse. Um, there's estrogen, topical estrogens. I know years ago yeah. we got everyone off their estrogens right away with a women's health initiative study. But things have changed. We're you know we're kind of found a happy medium now. There is certainly mm. a place for for topical estrogen in the right in the right person most can use it mm-hmm. uh, to restore mm-hmm. what, what you've had um, mm-hmm. and uh, not only does it restore the vaginal mucosa the vaginal tissue there but uh, urinary incontinence tends to present itself sometimes as we get closer to 50 and beyond that yes. that urethral tissue that the tissue or you know the urine passes right before it comes out uh, that's estrogen dependent we add a little bit of estrogen mm-hmm. to that that bulks it up so a person can then be continent. I mean, I've had plenty of people who are res- or, uh, avoidance of uh, intimacy because of yes. incontinence. That's sad. If yeah, we I learned it. to ask about that. That wasn't oh, yeah. <laughs> that wasn't on the list of things that I was asking about, but mm. I learned to ask about that. Well, so it's, again, because it then people the, become they become embarrassed and ashamed, and yeah, sure. So, so that's good to know that estrogen can help with that. Yes, it can. It can. And there, it may, there may be more that needs to be done. And that's a good start for the majority of people who uh, present mm-hmm. with these issues. Of course, we've got to think of other pathology, too. In the younger woman, endometriosis, the cyclical pain every month around the time of her period, or fibroids, yes. ovarian cysts. In the younger woman, we yep. think 
STDs, you know, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, you know, it's, you need to think about that. Uh, important to know that because um, an undiagnosed STD could certainly lead to a lifelong history of infertility, you know, gonorrhea and chlamydia in particular, you know, and sure. some other bad players out there too, of course. Oh, of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, no, this is all good stuff. Um, interstitial cystitis, you might yes. see that. Chronic bladder. and Yeah, people come in with that, yeah. thinking that they uh, have yeah. a GYN problem, but it's chronic bladder inflammation. Again, a good history will help tease that out and then follow it up with the exam, bladder tenderness. So these problems, however, are opportunities quite often, right, to mm-hmm. have something better. You know, there are solutions, you know whether they're medical solutions or coming to sex therapy for relational solutions, um, solutions for anxiety and tension and, you know, just focusing more on pleasure and keeping on top of your health. This is just really important stuff for quality of life, right? Quality of life. So thank you so much. I really appreciate, once again, Dr. Michaud, your willingness to come on our show. And, uh, yeah, and really sort of flesh out, if you will, a lot of what the issues are that people are talking about and how we can be helpful to each other in our practices. Complement each other well. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah, this was a ball. Vicki, thanks for hanging out and reeling us in. Really appreciate (laughs) it. She's smiling. Yeah, she is. Yeah, it's okay. So anyway, everyone, again, thank you for joining us. And uh, we really love that you could be here with us today. Uh, Don't forget that you can find the Sex and Couples Therapist on Facebook, if you like. Uh, On Instagram, look for the Happy Ending Therapist. You can call the office at 508-990-9909. The website is www.sexandcouplestherapy.com. Dr. Michaud can be reached at Hawthorne Medical Associates in Dartmouth. He's affiliated with St. Luke's. Over there, that number I know by heart is 508-996-3991. And please, everyone, before we see you again, make time for pleasure, play, and passion. Catch you next time.